Matthew 26, verse number 36. Matthew 26, 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little further, and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto his disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now, take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Arise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. We ask Heavenly Father your blessing on our consideration of these and other words. May the Spirit of God minister those words to our hearts this afternoon. Bless, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I would like to piggyback off of Brother Fulton's message last Sunday evening. If you'll remember, it was titled, How to Watch, if I remember correctly. How to Watch. Hopefully I won't be contradicting anything that Austin said, but I'd like to take that message a step farther, emphasizing for what things we should watch. And I know that Austin touched on some of these, but I'll take it a step further. And besides that, some of you were not here for that message Sunday night, so I'm going to assume you did not hear it at all, and therefore I'm not really treading on old territory. I can't speak for other preachers, but rarely have I considered a single message to be it, that there's nothing more that can be said about the subject. There's always more that can be said about the subject. There's always room for more. That's not a criticism of me or anyone else. It's just a fact. It's the way it is. Beginning completely out in left field, I'd like you to turn to Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel 33, just before the book of Daniel, on page 913. Verse number one, again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land... When I, the Lord, bring the sword upon a land, 
If the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou, son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die, if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. I've heard a few messages from this scripture. Maybe one or two gospel messages from it. But uh, most of the messages, most of the sermons from this scripture have not been gospel messages. Some have been delivered in preacher's conferences. Most of them that I heard were at Bible school. They were directed to the preacher saying, here you've got a responsibility, you make sure you carry out your responsibility. Maybe this would be an appropriate message for an ordination, I suppose. As we read this, you might have been thinking that this was a message for Austin Fulton or anyone else whose responsibility is to preach the gospel. Or we have here a message not for the choir, but for the soloist, it's for the preacher. He's preaching to himself. But this is not the case. Not this evening. My message is for every one of us. My message is for you. Putting an exclamation mark on last Sunday's message. Ezekiel 33 is not my primary text. In a minute, I'll take you back to chapter 26 of Matthew, also to Matthew 24. We'll look at some other New Testament scriptures in this regard. So why bring Ezekiel to your attention? To show you the seriousness which the Lord places on watching. Watching. Here Jehovah said, When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die, if the watchman does not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand, the person who's supposed to be watching, the watchman's hand. Every watchman has been given a serious responsibility, no matter what it might be that he is to watch or how he's to watch. That man might not actually realize how important his work is, but if the Lord has said, watch, then it is important. We're supposed to do it. This afternoon, I have a very brief message for you. 
I won't keep you long. But once again, let's look at the word watch as the Lord Jesus used it. The word is employed in some other scriptures, and I'll touch on them, but I'm primarily interested in what Jesus said in regard to watching. So go back to Matthew 26. These words were uttered by the Lord on the night in which he was betrayed. Judas had already made a pact with the priests to quietly deliver the Lord Jesus into their hands. The disciples had observed the Passover with the Lord Jesus. And there was the institution of the Lord's Supper. And when they had hung a, sung an hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives where Jesus brought the 11 remaining disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. Three times in these 11 verses, the Lord Jesus told his disciples to watch. Verse 38. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, O oh my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh to the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. I am not going to pretend to understand what was going on in the heart and mind of the Lord Jesus there in Gethsemane. I've heard lots of messages. I've read lots of sermons and other articles, and I just get more confused all the time. My mind is not sufficient to those divine things. Furthermore, I'm not going to pontificate on Jesus' exhortation. But I am going to try to draw a few conclusions and make an application. But first, what does the word watch mean? I can't remember if Austin explained it or not last week. What does watch mean when we find it in the word of God? The Greek word is translated watch 21 times, and then once it is translated wake, and once it is translated to be vigilant. 21 times, and then one, and one. Those additional translations shed light on what Jesus was saying. If you don't remember it from last week, Hey, disciples, stay awake. Pray with me, or excuse me, pray while I go yonder and pray myself. There was a prayer meeting that day, and they, they split up. First Thessalonians makes the staying awake crystal clear. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Stay awake, disciples. Paul often used the word sleep allegorically speaking of death. And our Lord Jesus said, our Lord Jesus Christ died for us that whether we wake, same word, or sleep, as others, we should live together with him. No as others in there. If I might be so bold, I would point to those verses and say that watchfulness 
should be one of the characteristics that all of us have as children of God. We are supposed to be awake. We're supposed to be watchful. It's our duty. The Lord has given it to us. It's our job. Be sober. Be vigilant. Same word or idea. Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Stay awake. Why did the Lord Jesus say to his disciples, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry here and watch with me. Why did he tell his disciples to watch? For what were they to watch? He didn't leave his command with a period at the end. It's open-ended. Watch. Watch. He doesn't say, watch for this, watch for that. He says, stay alert. Stay alert for anything that comes along. Couldn't it have covered a number of reasons? Weren't they to be sober and vigilant because... Their adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, was walking about perhaps with a desire to devour Christ Jesus. Watch with me. Pray and watch. A bit later, Jesus rebuked them. Could you not stay awake and vigilantly watch with me a single hour? And then finally, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Don't the second and third references to watchfulness in the Lord Jesus' statement here relate to our personal spiritual weakness? Satan is out there. Satan is in here. Satan is in this building. He's looking for your weaknesses, which he might exploit. He knows whether or not you are in proper fellowship with the brethren in this auditorium. And by me even mentioning that subject, perhaps uh, Satan has pushed his wedge in just a little deeper. He knows those few minutes yesterday when you were rehashing some wicked imaginations that you've harbored for a while. He is aware that the Spirit was leading you to do something earlier this week and you did not do it. And now he's reminding you of that. He's trying to tear you away from Christ, even for a few minutes within a worship service. Satan doesn't need very much room to work because our flesh is weak and sinful, it is prone to temptation. Watch and pray that you enter not into that temptation, whatever it might be. Think about the poor disciples to whom Jesus was speaking. They had so much for which to be thankful, having spent more than three years with the Savior. They had heard, but they couldn't believe that Christ would be leaving them, taken from them by death. Even as disciples, they had more than their share of unbelief lurking in their hearts. They were ready to disobey God 
and the Lord's will in physically defending the Savior. Peter had a sword at his side, which he was ready to pull and use to draw blood to keep the Savior from shedding his blood on Calvary. In another place, Christ turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. Luke chapter 9, 55. Why were the disciples to watch? I don't think that they were to watch for Jesus' sake. It was for their own. Not only at Gethsemane, but everywhere and at all times. They were in danger of temptation to sin. And in the Lord's exhortation, it, it applies to them and to us. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. In Matthew 24 and 25, we find the Lord, Jew, the Lord Jesus using the same word, but in a different context. Matthew 25 begins with the Lord's parable of the ten virgins waiting for the coming of the bridegroom. Let's see. Then the king, then shall the kingdom, let's see, what is the scripture I'm looking for? <laughs> 13? Not 13. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto, well, verse number one. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell, and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the others, the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. The last verse of the parable contains the words, Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. I agree with what was said last week in regard to... <coughs> The fact that it, it doesn't matter what you believe about uh, the, translation of the, uh, the translation of the saints. When the rapture will take place in relation to the tribulation. It does matter, but not in the context of this message. Doesn't the Lord tell us, be vigilant, be alert, 
Be awake. You don't know when the Lord will come. Simple statement. It seems to me that we all are to live in the expectation of the bridegroom's return. Whenever it is. And whatever our circumstances might be at the time. In the preceding chapter, 24, we have the so-called Olivet Discourse. Verse number 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Then, over at 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as in the days of Noah, or as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not till the flood came and took them away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, one shall be taken, and the other left. Watch, therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Again, the Lord wasn't telling us to look at people getting married and people getting drunk as indications that the Lord is going to come. They've been getting married and getting drunk from day number two, way back there. Such things are not celestial signs telling us that Christ will be here at any moment. The point is, Christ will come as life goes on, as you go through your day, as you suffer, as you hurt, as you have things to rejoice in. At any point, in the midst of any of these things, the Lord could come. Confusion about the Lord's return is not supposed to characterize the saint because we're supposed to be ready no matter what. Spiritual sleepiness, lethargy, drowsiness, these are things that are condemned in the Word of God, specifically in the, in the uh, epistles. We're told to live every day as if it is our last day on earth in one way or another, either by death or by translation. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. In Revelation chapter 16, verse number 15, the glorified Christ says, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth. The message is not that the Lord will come and steal things. The message is that whether we're in the seven-year tribulation or we're standing at the doorway to the tribulation, we are to be watching for the Lord. Not surprised when he comes. Watch and pray. Now I take you back to Ezekiel. Winding things up here in just a minute. In regard to the New Testament word watch, we are all the same. Pastor and people, we all have the job. We are to be watchmen. 
Yes, there are still watchmen in the tower, on the wall, whose job it is to warn the lost and warn that the enemy is coming. But the rest of us have a duty to watch as well. We are all commanded to watch and pray. And wasn't the Lord disappointed in his disciples? They dropped the ball. The excuses, yeah. Exhaustion, sure. But they were supposed to be at their post. The watchman is not supposed to fall asleep. Paul adds one additional comment to his exhortation in Colossians 4.2. Continue in prayer and watch with the same with thanksgiving. Watch in the same with thanksgiving. When our binoculars get a little foggy and our eyes start to fail, you're scanning the horizon, it's getting blurry, you're being diligent but falling asleep. When your hope begins to dim a little and your diligence in watching against temptation begins to weaken, Wipe the lens with that microfiber material of thanksgiving. Look what the Lord has given to you. Praise God that you can't see that temptation that's approaching. Praise God for the blessings you do see coming your way. And thank Him for all that you have received. The good and the reinforcing and the bad, faith-strengthening stuff. Watch. Pray. Thank the Lord. Please stand.